Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages, it is us, and I am your host, Game Goblin, doing take two of this episode due to technical difficulties. So let's see if we can make it through an episode, guys. Let's do this shit. I am sitting alongside... Darth Blasphemous, hail to the dark side. And... Kazakhan, the Lord Dragon. And, of course, I'm going to redo the whole fucking intro due to technical difficulties. Welcome to the future where nothing fucking works. Dark <laughs> Helmet was right. <laughs> Oi, so... Um, yep, 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 yep. We still got audio. We're good, we're good. For now... <laughs> Surrounded by assholes. <laughs> so, our episode this week is all about class, which, of course, as anybody who listens to us knows, we have no class. But more importantly, it's about knowing your motherfucking role. That's right. HP, MP, LMNOP, don't matter to me, know your role, you candy ass. Do you smell what the goblin is kind of slowly boiling? If you have a radio strapped to your back, that means you are head of communications, motherfucker. You got one stripe on that arm, that means you're going to shoot at a motherfucker. There were no cell phones in 69. I'm headed to legit. (laughs) I'm a lead farmer, motherfucker. (laughs) So everybody has a role. Actually, that's a really good reference to knowing your role because uh, in that movie, everybody did have a role. Yeah. Uh, Lazarus was the uh, actor who did the get deep down into the psychology of the characters. You had the action hero. You had the comedy guy. You had Captain Booty Sweat, who was, you know, the, the Teen Choice Award kid. You know, somebody had their own role. And then, of course, you had the explosive guy. Oh, yeah. You know, Mother Nature just pissed her pantsuit. Everybody had their own role. And the same works in gaming. Uh, I've uh, encountered this, of course, in MMOs in the past where somebody says something... They want me to do something, and I'm like, uh, hello, what? I'm not playing a ranger. I'm I'm a spellcaster, dude. I are the squish. I are the squish. Uh, you want me to do what with what weapon? Or, you know... Well, you want me to walk into what field of sharp blades? Do you understand what aggro control is and what my class does? Right? I stand at a distance and go pew pew. No, I, I stand at a distance and go, you fight that, you fight that, you fight that. Yes, I'm a maestro. I'm like, you stand still, you fight that, you attack your buddy, and maintain, keep doing your shit, I'll let one of these guys go when you're ready. <laughs> I'm working on aggro control, not DPS. Hello. Or tanking. I'm a mesmerizer. Or if I'm a necromancer, then I'm just working on DPS. I'm not a, ne- a mesmerizer. Fuck off. <laughs> Spellcaster, and the same thing goes. Uh, as our podcast has been leaning very heavily uh, in season five towards the TTRPG aspects of tabletop gaming, I have noticed that this too applies to when people are rolling dice that they will do dumb shit things, or somebody will try to play their character for them, or when they're playing their character, they will do things that the class is not built for, or they didn't build for, and or they they're didn't just trying for. to be cool. Yeah, just trying to be cool. So today's episode, for those who have uh, stuck with us this far, we are going to discuss classism. Knowing your role. Knowing your goddamn role. So, do your job. As anybody knows uh, who's been gaming for more than 10 years, pretty much all this started with Wargaming, which moved on to Dungeons & Dragons, which spawned a shit ton of Dungeons & Dragons clones. It's, you know, Cyberpunk, Vampire the Masquerade... Pathfinder. Pathfinder. Almost every fucking RPG now can trace its roots right back to D&D, who can trace its roots back to Wargaming. Mm-hmm. Almost every game now has the same pillars to it as they did back then. You had, uh, when D&D first came out, you had Fighter, Mage, Thief. Then they added this thing called a Cleric, which really changed the game dynamics. Then they added things like ninjas and monks and rangers. Sorcerers. Sorcerers. So on and so on, et, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In fact, the bard was basically like, "We need another guy. Uh, what does he need to do? Fucking everything." No, actually, the the bard was more like a fan favorite class that people just made up, and it was a home rule that just stuck. Really? Kind of like, uh, kind of like throwing holy water at undead. It's not part of the original OG rules. 
Holy Water against Undead, yeah, you just wasted a vial of un uh, Holy Water, but people kept rolling with the, it's made of positive energy, therefore it should do damage. They stuck with that home rule, and it became canon. Uh, Bard is very similar. When you're playing D&D 2nd Edition, you had to have X levels of Fighter, X levels of Mage, X levels of Thief, and then you could branch off into Bard. Now, I think a good way to set this up, especially since I, as the newer GM, as Moniker's not here, mm -hmm. is to break down the major archetypes of the roles. Not so much the classes, but the roles. And then we can take them and talk about the individual classes in each of those roles. What's good at what? Okay, so fair point. what's the first one? What is numero uno in the big role? Let's start with the trap monkey. Hmm, good choice. So they pretty much are good for the... Uh, they're the dungeon crawl experts. Their yeah. job is to make sure, hey, this booby trap or this weird thing, or hey, this loot is neat. They're the scout. Their job is to be slightly, not too far, ahead of the party, finding traps, breaking those traps, or turning the traps into, the, into the, their advantage. Or even creating diversions during combat encounters or post-combat encounters, uh, part of the cleanup crew. The rogue trap monkey operator... Uh, Whatever role that you're going with, they're basically your super spy uh, class. They can that's be, their job. That's their job. They can be anything from the back alley bruiser shaking people down for gold coins to a high-tech wired and digital hacking machine. So out of we've got the PFSRD in front of us. Yes, we do. We've got the core, the eleven core classes. Since Pathfinder is our well, my preferred. Gaming well, system. it's mine too, but you know, I'm, oh, trying I'm, sure about Kaz, I'm just keeping it bridged. So let's say out of the 11, you've got Barbarian, Bard, Cleric, Druid, Fighter, Monk, Paladin, Ranger, Rogue, Sorcerer, Wizard. Which of those are good for that? Obviously, it would be the Rogue. The so Rogue the is most, the, the most yeah. blatant, yes. But depending on how you build a Ranger, you could also be a fairly good Scout Trap Monkey. Ranger is a hybrid class. Mm -hmm. It is a cross between fighter and rogue, so it can do a little bit of both, just not as good as either one. Now, what about can you build a wizard? Can Ooh. I build a wizard? Of course, can, I can build. Can a wizard. you build a wizard to be a trap monkey? Yes, yes and no. It's how you go about it. Is it life in hard mode? It can be. No. I mean, if the trap backfire on you, you're going to get squished a lot easier. Unfortunately, of course, you guys know my play style when it comes to arcane <laughs> casters. So, wizard would be easy mode for me. In fact. I would be the party, uh, but Wizard by itself, if played by the book, by the rules, 100% with no... Fussiness? No fussiness. If we were going back to like second edition D&D, where a Wizard's only real power uh, stat is spells, mm -hmm. Wizards make crap for rogues. They, they can help rogues. They have yeah. invisibility so they can sneak. They have fly so they don't make noise. Oh, yeah, they have silence. unseen servant, so they can set off traps, but they don't have detect trap yeah. really as much. So really, you'd have to have unseen servant walking ten feet in front of you. Basically, yeah, like uh, a wizard in like second edition. If you wanted to de detect a trap, first you'd have to walk up to where the trap might be and then cast your spell. Mm -hmm. Well, what if it's a sound activated spell? Then you just set off the trap. Well, yeah. I guess you just detected it, didn't you, Mister Squish? <laughs> okay, in the so... wrong ways. So our primaries then for being the scout, we'll just leave it as scout, uh, would be a rogue, followed by a ranger. Uh, any of the other ones? A monk can that? double in that category. Monk's I could act. I could make an argument that bards could too because they're sort of jack of all trades. Well, jacks, yeah, bard pretty much fits anywhere. They are a if they are the default. I go on everything. I'm sprinkles. They are the default fifth character in a five man party. Uh, what about a druid? Any good of that or no? Druids, uh, as far as traps go, no. Okay. Yeah, druids, they're, they're much more focused on spellcasting and or shapeshifting. Yeah, a druid's true, uh, two biggest strengths, especially in like Pathfinder and Dungeons and Dragons, is either they are a brute damage dealer or, or a heavy support. Or heavy support. Uh, you know, they can heal almost as well as a cleric. But to try to off them into the category of doing rogue stuff. You're going to have to be very specific about your build. You're going to have to know your numbers in advance. You're going to have to plan shit out levels in advance. And you're not going to get the full Monty of what a druid can supply to a group as a druid. Now, okay, so now if you're talking solely about forward information, yes, a druid can do that. A wizard can do that. A sorcerer can do that. Because you've got Mage Eye or 
nature's ally or hey squirrel go look over there and tell me what you see you've got but options as a for that you should be getting sad if the squirrel gets squished in a trap there, yes. there, there is some overlap between druid and rogue yes but a druid will never be able to basically clone what a rogue does so rogue primary numero uno especially on just the core classes out of pathfinder to specify mm-hmm. We're keeping by this a list. ranger and then the rest of them you can kind of make a who's less shit list but it's those two are your primary yeah. You want to have one of those in your party. Yeah, you yeah. De- you you want to have a rogue person in your party, regardless of the setting you're playing. If you're doing Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder, your rogue is the guy checking for traps, setting traps. They're the ones doing the backstabby, sneaky sneak stuff. They're the ones doing cart. Hey, meals. I'm the decoy, 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 yeah, decoy, decoy, barbarian. <laughs> you know, they're the ones who run up behind the enemy with a bear trap that's prepped and ready to go and throw it on the enemy <laughs> for shenanigans. For shenanigans, but. If they, the, the monster turns around and hits them and the rogue can't get out of the way quick enough, he is going to actually feel it. Yeah. In a more modern-day setting, this is the, the rogue. Uh, is going to be the guy pa- uh, bypassing, like, locks. Uh, they're going to know their way to, like, hotwire a car, jimmy their way into a building. They're going to be the guy who's... They're the entry specialist. They're the entry specialist, or they're the person up on a roof... Uh, covering the rest of the party who are down below with uh, uh, some sort of light artillery or weaponry. They may even double as the EOD specialist Mm -hmm. uh, dealing with demolitions and other specialty stuff that is not straight in-your-face combat. And most of the straight-in-your-face combat for the scout door-opener type is I hurt you, but you don't see me. I hurt you, but you can't respond. Yeah. And one way or the other, you're winning because they can't do anything back to you. Yeah, even in space, the rogue uh, is just another evolutionary step from the modern day. So if you're doing like a rogue in space, then your rogue in space is the guy who's basically feeding enemy ships viruses while you're in a firefight. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the guy who's uh, jettisoning out flares and chaff to uh, make sure your ship doesn't get hit with missiles. Or they're the assassin who pops their invisibility field. And hops in through the, the station. Yeah. Or you're the intel operative, you know, you're the assassin of the group, you know, you're the one with the neat armor that shifts colors while you sneak through the building to collect the data while everybody else is the diversion. Mm-hmm. One uh, or the other. One or the other. Alright, so we've done a fair bit of talking about the scout. So mm-hmm. let's, what's the next major archetype? I would say tank. Yeah, tank, every group needs a tank, no matter what. Okay. Uh, so tank, what what is a tank? I mean, it sounds self-evident. They go and they big fight brute. They're they're a meat shield. Well, the so, tank's job is to absorb, dissipate, and mitigate damage incoming to the party. Right. So their job is, hey, I'm the meat shield. Hey, fight me! Fight me, not the squishy over there. Yeah, I'm spam. the threat. Yeah, yeah. Spam that taunt button. Yeah, that's their job. Their job is to be in the face. Brute, 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 brute. Brute Squad, oorah. Right, that's their job. They're the big meat shield distraction. Their job is not intrinsically to do a lot of damage, although the, many of tanks will, as a fringe benefit, do so. But their job is to keep the aggro on them and not on your squishies, because they're going to feel it a lot less than you are. Yeah, and of course, you know, in D&D terms, this is the um, aptly named fighter. What do you do? I fight. Uh, the fighter, of course, is going to be the person with the most uh, physical armor, the shield. Bigger the shield, the better. The heavier the armor, the better. You know, they are the slow plodding uh, stove of the party. <laughs> yeah, their job yeah. is to take damage. Uh, a fighter in a more modern day setting actually has more wiggle room mm-hmm. uh, because then you get like the barroom brawlers or, you know, the. If you're doing vampire, of course, you know, pretty much anybody who gets into a fight is technically a tank. Uh, of course, a vampire, it's going to be either, uh, best choices would be Bruja or Ventru. Yeah, tanky. Yeah. Well, Bruja are the more aggressive ones. Ventru can take more of a hit. Yeah, it's, it depends on which side of tanking you're going to do. And uh, I figure Ventru just have fortitude because, you know, when the stock market crashes, they, they got to survive trying to commit suicide by jumping out the window. <laughs> so... So out, out of, of the, our, go ahead. So I was gonna our, say out of the available. Out of the available, uh, I'm gonna give you a top four. Number one. So number one, I would say a fighter or a paladin. 
depending on how you want to go about it. Because a paladin has self-sustain, where a fighter has less power in that domain. But paladin is a hybrid class between cleric and fighter, right? Yes. So that's, Which is why that's it's, a secondary thing, but yeah, it, it is... The fighter is definitely your big, uh, hey, face me. Followed pretty closely after by a barbarian, because their method of tanking is just scream loudly and make things attack you, and just eat the damage, rather than dissipate the damage like a fighter does. Um, I'd say following that, a well-built monk, druid, or cleric can fill the role, but they have to be a little bit more focused to accomplish it. Well, I Which definitely have di uh, different um, opinions. Opinion, yeah. Uh, Barbarian is DPS. They're they're not there to take much damage. I mean, once that rage wears out, they're fucked. But <clears throat> this is weird. Uh, I'm really gonna buck the trend on this one. Cleric is fucking broken. It is the most broken. And if you build a tank cleric, you are practically unstoppable, even though your armor is one step down from a fighter's as the max armor you can wear uh, starting off out of the gate without any feats or... Domains. Uh, douchebaggery. Oh, no, your domains. I'm not even including domains yet. Yeah, because oh. that's, that's a whole other level of specialty. It's the spell list and abilities alone are bork. Well, yeah. the, the fact that you can cast spells... In and heavy armor. In heavy armor with no spell Penalties. issues. And if your uh, stat build is high enough in your skills, you can still take a pounding and still get away with casting your spells. Oh, you're going to hit me? Nope. Oh, you Don't hit care. me? I just make my con check. Whatever. Fuck you. Eat a dick. I'm a cleric who's built like a tank. I'm uh, going to tank. You're going to tank. Cleric actually can smoke a fighter in some regards. Fighters, of course, have a lot more versatility in weapons and armament. But clerics are right up there with them because the fact that they can cast spells, wear similar armor, wield similar weapons, and then you add the magic and domains on top of that, and clerics as a tank is practically fucking unstoppable. Which is why, which is why paladins made the list very, very yeah. high up there because they have the best of fighter plus enough of the cleric to get to really start hamming yeah. on things. My top four pick is actually. Uh, top one and top two, and they're both pretty much tied. Like, Fighter and Cleric come top number one, because uh, they are tied in some regards. And then for number two, also tied would be uh, Druid or Paladin. Mm -hmm. And because Druid, as a combat build, I know from personal experience, <laughs> is violently disgusting. You're, this is the DPS side of the build uh, with the Druid, but a Paladin has the heavy armor, spell casting, and sustainability. Plus, casting in combat, whereas a druid has to wait till combat's over to really be effective at healing themselves back up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the during combat that gets their sustainability. Yeah, and absolutely. That's that's a really important thing. Is like if you're gonna tank, if you're gonna meat sponge, you need to be able to recover when you take damage. Absolutely. That meat like sponge. when I played a druid, it was straight up DPS. It was not really hit me, hit me. It was the adage of, if I do enough damage to my enemy and they die, then I don't, I don't have, have to, to heal. I don't have to worry about them hitting me. They're already done for. <laughs> you can't hurt me if you're already broken. Exactly. If I've already torn off your arms and beat you to death with them, then... You're not a threat. My AC doesn't matter. <laughs> so. Yeah. I would say these make sense. Any changes from your side, or are we just going to uh, stick with the these two? For the most part, it's going to be y'all two running, because like I said, I'm playing the role of the new, newer GM. Huzzah! Excelsior. So, alright, let's. So that covers Tank, and we've covered Scout. Next up on the list. Well, let's see, you chose the last one. I am going to choose this time around the one that I hate the most. Mmm. Because I, I could pick my favorite, but then, you know, the, the podcast will take a completely different turn, so I'm just going to go with Healer. Yep. I despise healers. I hate the fact that games require healers in most uh, most games anyway. But it has become one of the crucial four pillars of any group is that you have a cleric or a medic or a healer or somebody who or just... Or doctor, surgeon, whatever. Somebody who stands over your body while you're lying on the battlefield going, ooh-ee, ooh-ah-ah, ting-tang, walla-walla, bing-bang. <laughs> yeah. Somebody there to put you back together so you can stay in the fight. Because or pull you out of the healer. fire. Or pull you out of the fire. Uh, or pull you out of the fire. Healers are actually, uh, they've come into their own, especially over the last few decades. Absolutely. Uh, 
Like I said, Cleric is fucking borked. Yep. Um, Cleric is a power class as a tank, but they do, however, can support nowhere near as good as a wizard or sorcerer. Clerics, well, they can in a different method. But clerics also have the a unique capability no other class really does have, or actually the most diversity in that capability. And that's not just dealing with damage, but it's also dealing with long-term things like stat reduction. Yep. You, you get hit by a undead creature, you lose two points of con, you call the cleric. You get hit with a curse, you call the cleric. You get hit with a disease, or if a creature injects some sort of weird flesh-eating maggots into you, you... Call the cleric. You call the cleric. Poison. Call the cleric. Poison. Call the cleric. Almost every problem that can happen to your character, you call the cleric. They can fix you. <laughs> or if they can't, they're just not powerful enough yet. Yeah, the cleric is just the, the mechanic of meat. Oh, your meat's broken. I'm going to fix it. <laughs> oh, your meat's in danger because it's poisoned. I'm going to fix that. Oh, you're elementally on fire. Impressive, but I'm going to fix that. Even with rudimentary, even if you build a I'm not going to heal you with spells cleric unless I need to. And yeah, you're just their heal checks alone. Their heal checks alone are grotesque. And it's amazing. And then this makes them the core uh, healer archetype, if you will. Yeah, but definitely. As we've mentioned before, support druids. You know, if you're if you're taking the spell casting support vein more than the aggro meat 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 that we were just talking about, absolutely. Uh, uh, healing or spell based druids instead of fighting druids uh, do make a nice backup for a cleric, and probably followed after that would be bard because jack of all trades. Yep, they're just little bit of healing, little bit of this, little but bit of that. I will refer before we introduce you know the last class, and I'm going to just segue it in anyway. Sorcerer. Yes. Because there is a rule, and I, I was telling a GM about this, he was coming up with a, an NPC, and I'm like, refer to this page in the book, look at this line right here, and he looked it up and he's like, oh my god, and I'm like, there's your enemy right there. Sorcerers have a unique ability of the arcane spellcasters that when you level up, you can choose any spell. Any spell. Yep. Mm -hmm. Despite the fact that uh, I, I, this is definitely behind Druid and Cleric because you have a limited number of spells per day. However, the Sorcerer can switch hit. You can switch between damage and healing spells and take the cure line of spells. You just got to be really picky when you cast a, he uh, a heal on someone. But a Sorcerer can double down in the role of a Cleric and be basically a third string healer if that's really what you want to play. Mm -hmm. Or if it's desperately required by the group, like the first and second string are just not quite enough. Yeah, like, maybe, uh, you know, the person who plays the cleric in your group doesn't show up very often, and you want to play a sorcerer who does a lot of damage. But uh, I also need to make sure that everyone else keeps alive so I can stay alive. Exactly. Uh. Yeah, so the sorcerer's over there, and he's like, okay, fine, I'm going to sack a spell slot for uh, cure disease. Bam. Bam. Just force the magic to say, no, get out. The thing that really also makes clerics stand out as far as spellcasters go and puts them above any other spellcasting class, either divine or arcane, is every day you choose me whatever spells you want. Every day. You are not limited to a set list. You're like, well, that last fight beat the shit out of us. You know what? I'm going to just take Crushing Fist of Spite today and swap out that other spell that I didn't use yesterday. The fact that Every spell in the cleric spell list, as long as you are the proper level to cast it, is your spell list is just insane. Especially yes. with all the supplementary material, because then oh, yeah. your spell list just keeps growing. All the divine stop. books. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Secondary gods, not to mention having the ability to call your big sky daddy. <laughs> hey, sky daddy, I need a thing. You got it. Blah. I like my sky mommy. She's thick. Yeah, see? <laughs> Either option works. Ba-boom. All right, healers. We, you know, I could make an argument that a paladin could they can be used, but I would say they're they're in that third string as well. Yeah, like most paladins I've ever seen heal, always do it when it's in a pinch. Yeah, they're yeah. lay on hands. They're, they're like, I'm gonna, I've only got one lay on hands left. I have to save it. And you're like, well, shit. See, that's funny because my current group C team, um. Because they pick, picked one of the cringiest names. Sorry, guys, I love you, but God, that was a cringy name pick. Um, they're the Wardens. Uh -huh. um, so, 
they have the paladin as the core healer. He literally just invests everything in his lay on hands. He takes all the stuff for extra lay on hands. I mean, you can do that, and it's entirely possible but to build. But what is he sacrificing for that? A lot. Smite! Because <laughs> we all know that's what smite slots are for. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it, it is a thing, so that's why I've had to, again, GMPCs picking up the slack. And I just have, I am the man of a thousand wands. Hey man, the man of a thousand wands gets shit done. Yes, and I can use my tail to, to use a wand. I specifically got that. <laughs> See? You were thinking about it. See last episode. Yes. Um, Alright, so that covers healer, so of course it's gotta leave. So there are... This is a larger category, but it can be split into two groupings. So what are the two groupings? So the, fir- so the greater category is DPS, or damage per round, or damage per second. They're the ones who are heavy hitters. They hit like a freight train... Not necessarily able to take one back, but that's what you have your tank for. They're glass cannons. Now, this is divided in two, because you've got the up-close DPS, and you've got long-range slash artillery. So let's start with the basic. Let's go close-range DPS. What's your your archetype like for this? Lots of touch spells. Yeah. Lots of touch spells, lots of rays. Yes. Rays are really good at short range, like 25 feet plus 5 feet per level is, I believe, the average. Which is, you know, it's a healthy bat combat encounter. That's a pretty yeah. respectable distance where you can get around the battlefield. Uh, and as long as you are not an idiot and try to make your weaponize your familiar, uh, if you can take the improved unarmed strike feat uh, with Pathfinder or the new D&D stuff, but most touch spells don't require it, but some get that extra kick out of it. Hey, shocking grasp! Punch! Zzzk. Yeah, you just run up and you just punch the guy and shock and grasp him, you know, whatever. But most touch spells, uh, definitely be mindful though when you're looking through the spell list because some of them do provoke an attack of opportunity, some don't. Uh, but again, up close and personal touch spells can really change the tide of a battle. Right. Especially when you got the, the wizard who's uh, a little bit sneaky at the same time, so he's kind of delving a little bit into that rogue territory so he can get close enough to do said things. But your touch spell wizard um, is basically bypassing all armor, so it doesn't matter how heavily shielded your enemy is. All you have to do is hit, touch them with one finger. You walk up and you poke them. doesn't matter if uh, Tony Stark is in the Hulkbuster armor. As long as I can touch it, he's getting shocked. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So this is this is a good example. Uh, the other on the more physical side of things is like your barbarian paladins can fit into this category very well because they empower their strikes. Um, monk, fighter, obviously, but your fighter's main job should be tank more than offense. Well, we're talking about wizards and arcane uh, close range DPS and fighter. Yes, is DPS. It's Barbarian, l- yes, is DPS, but at higher ends, yeah, it is hard to compete with an arcane caster. Mm-hmm. Especially when an arcane caster has not only really range but area of effect, which is which is where the artillery and long range DPS yeah. come in, and that and for artillery, arc- that's just s- arcane, su- arcane meteor swarm shines, yeah, like a beacon in the night, you know. An arcane caster at fuck even level three is a threat at de- at respectable ranges, and they want to stay at those ranges because they're squishy as fuck, which yeah. is fine. Glass yeah. cannons are a thing, and they're very functional in this sort of environment. As long as you got some other schmuck taking the hits for you, or some other schmuck who's keeping you topped up so that your very small health pool doesn't go away. You can wreak all the havoc you damn well please. Yeah, the counterbalance to an arcane caster is they typically have very low hit points. And garbage AC. And yeah, garbage AC. So Like they are yeah. they are all attack and no defense. Paper tigers, as they say. Yeah, paper tigers. Which means that most of the stuff that's going on around them, they need to be not there. And then uh, of course at higher levels. <laughs> Wizards do have other things, and there is a way to actually pull it off that really sucks for GMs. But you can get infinite turns with a wizard. 
Oh dear. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. That's like when you get to around level 17, you're just like, screw it. There's the enemy army. I'm going to take my turn, my turn, my turn, my turn, my turn, my turn, my turn. And the GM is like, okay, fine, fuck it, you win. Eventually it will happen, but we're not going to go into that here. On the power scale, if you were to put this on a chart or a graph. Wizards are the late bloomers? Wizards and sorcerers. Yeah, like wizards and sorcerers, if you put this on a graph, they start out really low on this graph, and their power level just steadily increases, and the bell curve just keeps rising. It they is, have an exponential <clears throat> curve rather than a linear curve. So yeah. they have a square cube. They they uh, resort to the square cube law. Every time it goes up, it's by a magnitude. Yes. Yeah. Uh, whereas is, clerics have a slow, gradual rise. It is continuous, but it doesn't cap off a peak either. It just keeps uh, slowly rising. But the rate in which their power level rises does eventually taper into a slower and slower and slower rise. Still there, it just... It, the difference between level 17 and level 18 is almost negligible. Right. Uh, fighters and rogues, on the other hand, they start off really powerful on uh, early on. You know, the best AC, the best hit points. Solid damage for their weapons. Solid damage, but... Consistently hitting things. Around level 10 to 13, that's where they peak. Their, their rise is only gradually behind the clerics. Everybody else just kind of smokes them. And unless, and at this point, your your fighters, your tanks, your melee DPS that use actual you know physical objects, all of them, all of them, all of them are going to be incredibly loot dependent in order to try and keep them balanced with the rest of the party. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's why things like plate mail is fucking expensive, but if you can get your hands on it, you make a damn good tank. Okay. Yep. That's uh, the whole. That's kind of the big shtick. So, out of the, the the four basic pillars, you're going to need, regardless of game setting, the four basic pillars, is you have stealth. You know, uh, your stealth person, of course, as we mentioned, is going to be either your uh, pathmaker, your pathfinder, your cracker for codes. They're going. They know, are the ones who open the path. They're and the ones clear who the path. Clear the path. Open the path. Make sure things get done. You have your heel stick, uh, regardless of whatever name you call them, they're going to be your medic, they're going to be the backup for making sure people get healed or uh, taken out of the combat zone and get made well soon enough to get back in the combat zone as fast as possible. They are the their job is to sustain mid-combat and just after. Yep. That is their, that's their job because the rest of them are doing other stuff. Uh... The wizard sorcerer is primarily glass cannon, so you they're your artillery. They're also your Swiss army knife, mm-hmm. uh, especially the wizard, because they've got more capability than anybody else to mess with the world proper once their spells start opening up into things like divination and alteration and necromancy and all the different things. Once they start to specialize, they lose some of that ability, but they still have a lot of oomph. A lot of oomph in different areas, so they sup- usually supplement the glass cannon stuff with other spells for uh, spying or invisibility, other benchmark spells. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, your last pillar. Tank. Tank. Tank, tank, tank. Who's basically, uh, if you decide to ever play tank, you're a sword and board. Live with it. Or, uh, one way or another, you're wielding some sort of shield, See, either I, a riot shield. I live life in hard or, mode and do a double board. Or you're... You, it uh, can be done with the right things. It can yeah. be done with the right things. Hell, I mean, come on, man. You can play a Vampire the Masquerade game where you got two riot shields, and your sword and board is basically you're wearing riot gear and just punching people in walls with potents. Well, see, that's what I tried to do in Silver Age <laughs> Sentinels with, uh, what was it, over, uh, Override? Overrun? Um, overrun. Was... I had basically superhero uh, serum, you know, fucking Captain Rogers over there turning into Captain America. Mm-hmm. But I had the shotgun full of beanbag rounds and a riot shield. Yep. I could take a punch, which was the thing. He was the he was the tank. Yeah. Uh, for for reference, that was a three man group, and we had uh, flex DPS, range support, and tank. So we had to kind of. Jerry rig things. Well, a superhero bit. games are a bit of an anomaly as far as the standard four cores of gaming goes, because typically in a superhero scenario, and we see this in movies, uh, we see it in cinema, comic books, and whatever, 
there usually isn't somebody standing there going, be healed, get back in the fight. Typically, superhero fights, they just go until one or the other is defeated. Yeah, until one side says stop, or is stopped. Yeah, yeah typically, healers are a very rare commodity in the superhero genre. So that pillar is, I would say, optionable. It, yes, it is. And many games, the, the heal stick will take different forms, and it's important to keep in mind how that affects things, because... Yeah, my far future, you know, nanocyte. Oh, I'm just gonna fix you with nanites. Get back in there, soldier. Or, you know, I'm gonna have to stitch you up. Sit fucking still. Yeah, things like regeneration change the curve. Yes. When anybody who plays the game can take regeneration as a base power, healers kind of become moot. Very secondary. Oh, look, I'm building a superhero character and he's got invulnerability. <clears throat> so. Yeah, I'll take damage, but it won't harm me physically. I'll just get knocked out and wake up an hour later. All fine, right as rain. <clears throat> just you, fucking Wade Wilson. Yeah, superheroes are a mathematical deviation to the four pillars. Yeah, especially because most superheroes are meant to be solo players. However, the other three pillars are definitely represented in the superhero genre. Of course, you have like the blaster archetype. You know, they're the ones who just cause a bunch of havoc and cause things to yeah. break. So That's essentially, the enemies' things. Yeah, like typically, like if you took the X Men, Wolverine is the barbarian or fighter. He's Professor not... X is more of the rogue because he's mind controlling the uh, battlefield. He's not. Taking... He's, he's a battlefield controller. He's a battlefield controller. So he's either a rogue, sorcerer, combo, whatever. Uh, Cyclops is obviously going to be an arcane caster because he's doing ray straight... attacks all over the place. Ray attacks, straight DPS. Yeah, so they do fall within those pillars when you examine them. Yeah, and you can make an argument that because again, healing factors are a thing. Wolverine is also your tank. He also uh, Colossus. Yeah, yeah, Colossus is duh. Colossus is super tank. Just duh. Doink. Oh, your bullet. You're a bullet. Yeah, I just... What could you do? So, of these classes we just talked about and, and the roles that they perform, one of the first things a player needs to know, especially if you're a new player out there or you've wanted to branch out into something different, read the character description, watch how other people play it, look up tutorials if you need to. Uh, it's pretty much all self-descriptive. But once you get in the game, know your role... Because everybody else there, including the GM, is going to expect that you pull your weight in that role. So if I'm in a group and I'm playing the only rogue... Guess what your job is, Trap the Monkey? GM, yeah, my job is Trap Monkey at that point. I should not go out of my way to try to be... Unless, of course, it's a large group and there's already people who fill the niche. I should not try to be walking in and being like, I'm playing a rogue and I'm just dashing debonair swashbuckler man... And I don't need the skills in all this rogue stuff. Yeah, and that's that's only if you've already got someone else filling the role. Yeah, and then, they, you know, of course, cause when you get in the dungeon, they're like, okay, Mr. Captain Dashing over there, check for traps. And you're like, I know nothing about traps. I'm a rake. You're not going to be a very useful uh, rogue, especially if you're playing a pre-built adventure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like the people who insist, oh, well, I need to be a ninja with none of the skills. I want to be Naruto. You're going to be a garbage ninja, my friend. Yeah. He I had have... the skills to back it up. That's the whole reason he succeeded. No, it's because he had overwhelming power locked within his meat sack. And... Yeah, me too. Yeah. Remember, he failed his test. Hmm. Shows you how much I know. I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it or anything. I'm... I haven't watched it in almost five years. Okay, that's more than either of us have. The last thing I saw about Naruto was some sort of, uh, there was supposed to be a raid on Area 51. Oh, ah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then again, you know, like, know your role. Like, Barbarian, I don't play Barbarians because I'm not a master of rage powers. And when I have a power on my sheet, I'm, I'm like the, the fucking person sitting there with an Akibis. You know, I'm like sliding beads left and right going, do I use my power now? No slide the beads around a little more, but when I'm playing a different class, I'm like, I never lose anything. I can stab all day long, and it doesn't cost me anything on my character sheet. It's <laughs> fucking wonderful. Or, uh, so, uh, in one of the campaigns I'm in, 
My sister's running a halfling monk. She has a lot of fun with it. But most of the time, she is abacus man with the rage. She doesn't use her key powers until it's necessary. And then she goes ham. We took one fight. Uh, it was a high-level arcane caster who just kept kiting us, right? Oh, cast a spell, teleport, run away. Cast a spell, teleport, run away. Rinse, spit, repeat, ad nauseum. So she got tired of it. Burn a key to run over there. Burn a key to flurry. Burn a key on every strike until it succeeds to stun this bastard. He's not going anywhere. Bam, 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 bam. Drop like eight hits. Yeah, actually, it's fun that you bring up Monk, uh, because we do have the hybrid classes, and if the group is large enough, if you have the four uh, core pillars taken care of... If you're playing fifth seat. If you're playing fifth seat, of course, you know, that's typically Bard, who can is a jack-of-all-trades master of none. Monk, likewise, can uh, definitely be like a DPS machine slash rogue. They've got the sneak skills, they've got the punchy-punchy skills. Mm -hmm. And they've got a fair amount of battlefield control if they use right. Yeah, they've got a fair amount of battlefield control as well. So, uh, if you got the fifth seat, Monk is basically another one of the switch hitters, and I do suggest if you are the fifth person uh, to take on one of these hybrid classes and get a feel for, you know, do I like if I'm playing a ranger, do I like sneaking and hunting more than I do fighting, or do I like fighting more than I do trap making? Because it lets you dabble in both sides. Yeah, it lets you dabble a little bit in fighter and a little bit in rogue. It helps you find your niche. And the hybrid classes make really good uh, methods for people to learn these classes for exactly this reason. Yeah, they're a little bit more complex than the core classes, but they still allow for more of a learning curve. Uh, you just scrolled down the hybrid hybrid classes. Yeah. <laughs> so, we we talked about hybrid classes. These are these are ones like Paladin is a is sort of a mixture between a cleric and a fighter. Yeah, it's uh, an OG hybrid class. Almost every class other than fighter, wizard, um, cleric, rogue. and rogue. Those are basically the actual four core. Those are the actual four core classes, and almost everything else from their combination of them. Yeah, and it starts. You know, you get this web effect where it just gets wider and wider and wider because, hey, I want to build this niche. Well, that niche hasn't been built yet. Go for it. Yeah, it's it a lot of that. One of my favorites is a motherfucking scald because it is the best of barbarian and bard. <laughs> Those are fun. They are. They can be. They can also be a bitch. But uh, what about you guys? What about from these extra classes? Basically? The extra classes, every time I've seen them played, I want to hit people. Yeah, I can I just, kind of understand that. I, I, I mean, I've I played some of them, but I try to do my own thing that I always do. But the, the problem with the extra classes they added is the power balance is skewed. Not, it is skewed. It's not right. Like the... Fuck, what was it? Psychic classes you guys oh, were playing? Yeah. <laughs> we're All of the occult Well classes. above and beyond the previously published materials. And that was almost the last book published of new classes. Yeah, like the power creep in that book was insane. And at the same time, like every time I've seen an alchemist played, it's always somebody throwing bombs. Mm -hmm. They're always doing area of effect damage and nothing else. Or, you know, fucking around with mutagens. Cavalier is broken as fuck. Yep. Uh, especially if you're playing a cavalier with a lance, <laughs> and you can respond to anybody entering your threat range with a free attack. Because fuck you. Banslinger is a Ugh. glass cannon. Yep. And you hate it with a passion. I hate it with a passion for several reasons, but uh, as far as the core rules go with gunslinger, all you have is your gun, nothing else. My yeah. superpower is gun. You are defined by your weapon and nothing more. Why don't... It's like making a fighter, but going... Well, it's oh. like playing a samurai. Their whole thing is their sword, and that's basically it. Actually, they Samurai did. have a code of conduct, and they have separate Samurai powers. have a code of conduct, and they have several powers, which makes them beneficial to the group outside of just being a samurai, such as their banner power. Okay. If I'm playing a samurai, and I plant my flag on the ground... All of my allies within visual range of the flag get bonuses during their combat. Right. And this, you know, they become support DPS. They, they are support DPS, but they can also do things like issue a challenge mm -hmm. where... You face me. 
they challenge somebody else and only that person that they've challenged really has a chance of doing anything against the uh, samurai because they are the samurai is so intently focused on that person it's like being in a movie all the other enemies on the battlefield no longer matter just that motherfucker on the other side and I'm gonna get him and samurai also are a mounted class because they are a uh, derivative of cavalier mm-hmm. they are also a mounted archer class yeah, one of the few who do not get any uh, re- reductions to their ability to fire a bow while mounted. So, as far as uh, damage control goes, the uh, the samurai can ride around the battlefield on the outskirts of it and fire arrows inside. Uh, you know, Hun style, golden horde. Yeah, golden horde. The uh, the samurai is actually interestingly written, in my yeah. opinion. It's not a one hit wonder like. The gunslinger. Which is all about flashy me, flashy me, flashy is, me. I shoot stuff, I've got grit feats, and I shoot things, and I shoot things. And I am a, a badass. I'm it's a, all about me. That's all the gunslinger yeah, is. Yeah, a, a gunslinger, it's all about me, and for some strange reason, they're always, they're like, they're grit feats. I love how they call it grit, because it's medieval fantasy, and they're using grit, which is more of a western-themed kind of word. You know, uh, like gunslingers are in general. Inquisitors mm-hmm. are interesting, in my opinion. I have not had the chance to play one fully yet. I liked yet. playing one. I liked uh, playing one. Um, the dude who got spudged by the ally was an uh, Inquisitor. And it's somewhat of a touch on rogue and cleric mixed. Inquisitors are the guys who, behind the scenes, are like, yeah, I'm going to torture you for the information because this serves the holy cause. Well, well, That's what their job was. Clerics... Pray to the gods for salvation. Paladin. Paladins kill for the gods to seek salvation. Or to Inquisitors uh, rub elbows with the darkness trying to find where that salvation has been hidden. Yeah, and, you know, it, as a result of the fact that it was a battlefield controller, a little bit of a tank, not a huge amount. We had other people for that, so I didn't really dabble too much. And we had other... We had... I became the main healer because I had no choice, and I had to burn Mythic to do it, but I was a support class the way I chose to play, which meant that our one-hit wonder with the div pulled off because I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to hit this thing once, I don't need 1d6 damage, but my allies are going to get a lot more swings, so I'm going to sacrifice my 1d6 for all of them to get it. Uh, Fuck that thing. Interestingly enough, you know, I'm starting a witch right here, and I just... Witch is kind of like that class where, you know, if I were to be walking down the sidewalk and I see a dog turd, witch is that class, like a dog turd sitting on the sidewalk, and I'm like, if I were to dispose of this dog turd, which end of it is cleaner to pick it up by? Because witch, it's funny, every time I've seen witch played, they always run out of healing hexes way before they need to. They're like, I cast a healing hex, and it's like, how many do you have? And they're like, I got five, and then by the time combat's done, everybody's still broken and laying on the ground, twitching. And the witch is like, I ran out of hexes five turns ago. It, it, hex, so... Combat witch, lasted six. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Combat lasted six, and they ran out of hexes five turns ago. Mm-mm. I think that witches and a lot of the other, like, not quite arcane, not quite divine classes and all of the weird mix they're in they're better suited not to healing like you've already got your four pillars for that yeah, absolutely a witch is a battlefield controller they're like, hey fuck you nope, you don't get to do that nope, twist your ankle just do some stupid shit and make the enemies have a bad day that's how you defend your allies as a witch. I also love how they brought in Brawler when they already had that as a base class. Of course, as a base class, we all knew it as Monk. <laughs> because it's one of those problems I've had since the beginning is, you know, when you're creating your character and everybody sits down during session zero and discusses character concepts, fighter, it's not who you are. It's not your name tag when you show up. You don't show up wearing orange robes with the word monk scrawled across your chest. You are a bare-fisted, knuckles-punching thingy. You can totally make your character's background that you've learned how to fight, you know, in, in like, some sort of sporting arena as a gladiator. Mm -hmm. And 
you found some sort of weird inner peace when you're in combat. You know, it, it helps you strengthen yourself, and boom, you're a brawler based on concept alone. You don't have to be referred to as monk. But the one class I do like, actually, out of all of these stupid ones here, is Oracle. <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah. Oracles are stupid. Well, they oracles are... are the divine version of... A Sakura. No, no, they're the divine version of the Sorcerer. Yeah, that's what I said. No, you said Sakura. Oh, har har. No, you did. I, yeah, yeah, you you did. Really? Yeah. Oh, damn. I, I thought I enunciated better. I got the goddamn headphones on. I know everything. Okay, okay. I am the science. <laughs> um, I don't know. For me, it's Magus was really fun. I could see that. Because Magus is, you know... Another word for Magus is battle mage. Yeah. But just being able to have... I hit you with this weapon, almost any style weapon, so you always want to go for the ones with the biggest crit, uh, and I hit you with it, and I cast a spell through it. So I get to hit you, whap you with a stick, and it shocks you. Or I get to whap you with a stick, and it sets you on fire. Mm -hmm. Or whap you with a stick, or acid, or, hey, you and the guy behind you, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's sort of the big deal about many of these uh, hybrid classes is how they play, you kind of have to be very fine-toothed with how you approach them. Well, the, the problem I have with hybrid classes in most part, not completely, but in most part, is they cover two different areas, like, say, we, uh, like you mentioned earlier, Skald, that's half barbarian, half bard. Well, barbarian's already a hybrid class, and bard's already a hybrid class. So, so you're, you're quartering just hybrid, down. You're quartering down. And that is why the tribe is disappearing. Yep. Yeah, and so when you when you uh, dilute the core classes and you get to a certain point, you're no longer really a character class. You're just a collection of special features that can barely pull your own in a group, unless of course it's written late in the book's publications. Yeah, because it definitely feels like that. Because you can. That's why I keep my group uh, to the core books. Because yes, there's a bunch of really fancy and fun stuff. But with the core books, you have solidly built classes, and you can multi-class. So if you want to be that, you know, fucking... Uh, barbarian. Barbarian, you can multi-class and get a bunch of those same features. Hell, they even already had, in some of the cases here anyway, they've already had prestige classes covering this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You could already, like, uh, back in Dungeons & Dragons 3.5... You could play a rogue, and once you met certain requirements, you could take on the, and I believe it was Greyhawk, take on Ninja of the Crescent Moon as a prestige class. You lost nothing from rogue, and you actually added more to it. You would lose a few roguish things, of course, from leveling up as a rogue, but you'd gain a bunch of ninja stuff. And, and it balanced out in, in a and, better fashion. Yeah, it still balanced out in a better fashion. You were still a rogue. You were still a trap monkey. You still got at what you did. You are now a trap monkey who could throw shurikens and disappear in a puff of smoke. Because, you know, I want that kind of battlefield control. Yeah, you know, it, it's really just fun how you can take the core books of any system. Well, okay, anything except 5th edition personal buys. And really run a solid game out of that. You can build a diverse amount of characters... You can start out being an FNG, roll with just the core books, and end up being fucking god tier, I'll build you a fully-fledged character in five minutes kind of person. It takes it takes longer than that explanation, but yes, it's but, possible. But at the same time, though, um, when we get into the whole know-your-role aspect of creating your characters, and we're doing a group of four, if you want to play a tank, but you want to be weird about it or whatever... Summoner, of course, has one of the most banned power combos in it ever, for good reason. You know, listen to those who uh, have been playing the game longer than you, or even if they've been lay, uh, playing the same amount of time. Sometimes the best ideas come out of left fucking field, and you're saying, oh, you know, I want to play a... I don't want to play a fighter. I think that name is stupid. I should call them warriors. Uh, what should I play? You know, it was like, well, go ahead and play a fighter. Just call yourself a warrior or look at these other options. You know, somebody else may have played something and said, hey, I saw that one time this guy was playing a uh, Blood Rager and he had this kind of build going to it. Mm -hmm. So you still fill that fighter niche that the rest of the group needs. You still sword and board, but you're sword and board plus. Sword and board plus laterally. 
And sometimes that lateral thinking is really what makes a character a character. Like, I built a warlock because he was... I, I wanted to be a DPS. I morphed into the tank, slash, hey, I know a little bit about this stuff, slash face. So it's like all three of those roles kind of just lumped on me because it became a four-man group. It was larger at the time. I would have to say, though, is because um, we're getting near that time, so I'm going to just say my final thought on this subject is once you have your role, uh, as far as the party goes, you're going to try out a new character class, maybe, or stick with tried and true. You may already know your role. You may already have all that down. The only thing I can suggest beyond that is go ahead and sacrifice just a few points here and there and diversify your portfolio just a little bit. Because if you felt like, um, of course, you guys all know about my combat druid. Mm -hmm. I had no swim skill. <laughs> I had no uh... sneak skill. I was still waiting on the capacity for a shape-shifting so I could change into an animal form that had that skill. But if I was in a no magic zone, I am still screwed. Because I can't turn into an animal and sneak like a rat. Oh shit. Uh, I can't swim in this waterway because I can't turn into a shark. I'm kind of boned in that aspect. And I, it's one of the things I see a lot of people do uh, when they are getting into their role is they go full tilt into it. You know, if I'm playing a wizard, I should have, you know, skills that lay outside of wizardry, you know, here or there, a few of them. Because no person is completely... Single-focused. Yeah. A wizard who doesn't know how to cook his own dinner is just, in my Sad. opinion, dumb. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody learns how to cook something, or at least throw noodles into a pot and throw butter into the fucking pot and call it a meal. Uh, everybody should have, you know, some sort of basic skill, especially in fantasy, uh, like sewing. Yeah. Everybody should have that as a basic skill, you know. Everybody should have a basic skill for haggling or socializing or some sort of knowledge local, especially the region they're in. So when my, my final thought is, of course, this is your role. If you're a wizard, a fighter, a thief, an operator, a rogue, a superhero, whatever the hell you may be, do not be completely and utterly useless, even okay. if somebody else has covered a small portion of it. Like, if you have a computer guy in the group, you're playing modern day... Still take a couple of points and put it in computer operations because if that character's taken out of it, at least you still have a chance to cover for that other character. Until or at least, you know, the basic operations to go, hey, my character might download a virus if I open this email. Yeah, please don't do that. Yeah. It's more realistic because <laughs> we as people have diversified sets of skills. I may be a machinist, I may be dumb when it comes to actually like doing things with engines, but I can still cook. I can still sew my own clothes. I can still build a computer if I really need to. <laughs> you know, so if I'm, you know, I'm multi-purpose in my class. I may be a, a necromancer, rogue goblin, but you know what? I still know how to change a light bulb. I don't need to rely on one of the other party members to come in and go, oh, necromancer, this is how you change a light bulb. Duh. Again and again and again and again. So I'm just saying, divert... Even if it's only a couple of points, just a very small fraction, diversify some of your points and do other realistic skills for your character, and then focus fully on your role in the group. And, you know, that, that, does, that does segue a little bit, you know. Characters are not just this one-bladed sword, you know. It's, you know, having a little bit of versatility to that. Like, a dagger can still... You can still shave with a dagger. You can still... You know, work you can leather. Throw it. You can stab a guy. You can throw it. You can stab a guy. You can work leather with a dagger. You can cut your Not bread with a dagger. I mean, as long as you know what you're doing, it is a tool. Just like this, any skill you put on your sheet is a tool. People have tool kits for a reason. And with that, you know, when you're building a character, you can think about, okay, so what are my what am I trying to do with this character? What role am I trying to fill? And why am I the choice that this group went with? So my final thoughts are build your character but remember it's a group. Work together. You want to be the coolest, most badass fighter ever? Better hope you got a great healer in the group or you know what? Step up and be that healer for once. 
Darth Blasphemous signing off. Game Goblin, going back to my crypt. Kazakhan, back to the skies. Alright, so a monk, a ninja, and a bard walk into a bar. You think the monk would have seen it?